wrestling fans, before this interview with Mark Manning, please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Now let's get to the show. I different, I won't say their names, but Hall of Fame coaches, I would say, that would call me up and say, Manny, I don't know why you're recruiting this guy. You're never going to get him. He ain't going to Northern Iowa. He's got two schools in state. He's got us. He's got this. He's, he's like, I don't know. You're wasting your time. My third year, we we had the number one recruiting class in the country. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredients. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner, and today we have Mark Manning on the show. Now, this interview was recorded back in the fall when we were doing interviews for the Tony Davis audio documentary, which is called Escape from Inglewood. Quick plug, listen to Escape from Inglewood. It went live in April and is one of our best audio documentaries yet. But this interview with Coach Manning was recorded for that, and it's never been released. I listened to it this morning. Fantastic interview. Mark Manning, you know, before he was at Nebraska, was the head coach at UNI for three years, brought them from nothing to national prominence, and then he went on to Nebraska where he's at now. But, man, this is a great interview. Hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Cecil Thomas, who recently left a review on Apple Podcasts. Great pod, excuse me, great topics and interviews on past and present wrestling history. I've gained so much more insight on a sport I love so much. Cecil, thank you for the review. And if you're listening, leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. It helps bubble up this podcast to wrestling fans just like you. Now let's get to the interview with the great Mark Manning. Mark Manning, talk us through your journey to UNI. Uh, well, I was uh, uh, associate head coach at, at University of Oklahoma, Jack Spates, and uh, the UNI job opened up after the NCAA tournament and, and, uh, I was fortunate to, to get the job. And I was, I think I was the only non-Iowa guy to interview for the job, number one. And Chris Retrieve, um, you know, was the athletic director there and, and took a chance on me. So I'm really grateful for Chris and, and, uh, that's when, that's when things, uh, got fun. What was the state of the program when you took over? Uh, they, they had some tough times. Don Briggs was kind of at the end of his career and, and, um, 
they've had a storied program there. And, and uh, Chris retrieved the athletic director said, Hey, we, we should be top 10. And I, I'm not quite sure what they finished 50 something that year. The ins the NCAA tournament was held at UNI at the Dome, Coach Gables last year, obviously. So a lot of things changing in wrestling, and they felt they needed to change. And and I was fortunate to get that job. And I brought, you know, Brad Penrith and Steve Hamilton uh, were my coaches, and, and uh, Tolly Thompson. It just uh, it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of work though, and just to rebuild the program and 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 get us competitive we we uh we had some trying times tough tough times at the beginning just getting people to buy in and and um but slowly surely we just we just uh got different guys to to buy in the program and and make gains and see what hard work and the principles that we laid out the foundation we laid out that it was on solid ground we built on the rock we didn't build it on the sand Mm-hmm. For the water to come in, wash it away. We built it on solid ground, and we built on principles that those young bought in, young men bought into, and you know. And then I had transfer and Eric Keller come in, and Randy Pugh had left Naval Academy, and he was an Iowa guy. And Randy and Eric infused a ton of energy into the program, along with Tony Davis, obviously. So it was um, it was a fun three years. I learned a lot. Uh, you know about myself, but I also learned how to how to build a program. But but uh, fortunate to have that opportunity. Could you speak to some of the values and your like core philosophy when you start a program from scratch? What you're looking at there? Well, it's it starts just with the young men that we're coaching. Just, you know, um, do they love the sport? And so their love for the sport will will be infectious in regards to how much work they want to put into it. And we all know wrestling, it takes, takes a lot of work. You know, if I'm not, I'm half as talented as you, I'm going to have to work twice as hard. And that's what sometimes wrestlers forget is, well, I'm really talented. I should win. And the next guy is a grinder and my man outworks you 10 times to one. Well, he's going to pass you up. And so just, just buying into those concepts that, well, I won in high school. I should win in college. And that's not always true. It's you, you have to not relearn the sport, but you have to recommit yourself. You know, I always tell guys that, um, were you the best in the state or were you the best in the nation as a, as a freshman? Probably not. It's the same thing in college. You're probably not the best guy in the nation as a, as a true freshman. It's going to take steps and it, it's going to take recommitment. And, and, uh, and you're going to, you're going to fail a lot before you succeed at the, at the top level. So what just about-, about getting young men to buy in. And we, we had a lot of buy in. We had a lot of good recruiting, uh, going on. We just, we worked out extremely hard. And Steve and Brad, Tolly, I mean, they, they were just there every step of the way. And it was fun, fun doing it with those guys. Uh, we, we did a lot of things that probably, you couldn't do now. I know in regards to not breaking rules, I'm just talking about, you know, we, we drywalled our whole offices. They, the university didn't really know. I can say that now I'm coaching at Nebraska, but <laughs> we wanted to fix our place up. We wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to get 
uh, you know, make it nice for their guys, our, our wrestling room, our wrestling locker room. And, uh, you know, we're recruiting against, you know, Minnesota, who was really dominant at that time. Iowa is always good. Iowa State, Coach Douglas was there at Iowa State. I mean, are you serious? We, we Nebraska was good at that time. You know, so we're recruiting against all those people. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we had two wooden nickels we were trying to rub together. So we were, <laughs> we, we had a disadvantage, but we, we created a smoke and mirror, you know. <laughs> Love it. Was there any moments when you got in like three months in, you're like, what the heck did I get myself into here? Uh, no, I knew it was tough. I knew it was going to be, uh, it was great. You know, it's the tougher, the better. Uh, I think, you know, it, it was tough. I had, I had different, I won't say their names, but, but, um, hall of fame coaches, I would say that would call me up and say, Manny, I don't know why you're recruiting this guy. You're never going to get him. He ain't going to Northern Iowa. He's got two schools in state. He's got us. He's got this. He's, he's like, I don't know. You're wasting your time. You know? So you go and up to so, the big recruits. Huh? You big, go up to the big Absolutely. Recruits. Absolutely. My third year, we we had the number one recruiting class in the country. We we did things that people didn't think we could. And, and Tony Davis played a big part on that, being a national champion and you know, they hadn't had a national champion in 37 years. So you're breaking down barriers and you're breaking down people's belief in what you could do. And, and, um, and, you know, not, not, not thinking small. We weren't thinking small. We were thinking, Hey, we're going in there and we're going to light it on fire. And, and, you know, it's, I, I think that's what Brad brought Brad Penrith and Steve Hamilton. Same way. I love Steve. It just, those guys were, they thought different, and um, and that's why that's why I hired them. And and Tali was was awesome and a lot of fun. Just we had a lot of fun together, and we worked our butt off. And uh, out before we get to Tony, last question: Tell us about the little town of Cedar Falls for someone who's never been there before. What memories do you have of it? Uh, it's great, man. The people are great. They're passionate about wrestling. Uh, There's a lot of great boosters there. I developed uh, a lot of great relationships with the Llewellyn family and, and, uh, Larry Hamilton, who, who's now passed away, but, um, just a lot of people that really were passionate about the program and, um, just they they were proud of you and I wrestling and they, they wanted to be successful. They wanted to, you know, see different sparks, you know, and, and slowly, but surely we started creating young men that really wrestled with a passion and wrestled uh, with pride for you and I and, and, the, and the team concept, how guys came together. But it wasn't, wasn't easy getting guys to do that at first. Um, it, it was uh, some interesting times, <laughs> to say the least. And you talk about the history of you and I. You know, I know the, the great Bill Wick. You know, Bill, is it Bill Cole was there. Like, those are yes. some of the great legends of that 40s and 50s era. So that was the yeah. mecca, you know. And so then you take over. You guys are starting to build. When does the great Tony Davis cross your radar for the first time? Um, well, he competed at the UNO Open, and and I remember he was at Iowa Central, and and uh, I can't exactly remember all the matches, but he beat a lot of tough guys, and he didn't know to beat him. He 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 manhandled. We were like, holy buckets! This dude is 
he's a different cat. He's a different wrestler. And I looked into him more and more and found out his background, found out where he was from. Obviously, Mount Carmel. I had coached John Cading at Oklahoma. John was a you know Mount Carmel guy. So just just finding out about you know his background and and um, and you you know his Harvey Twister legendary program and all the you know Joe and TJ Williams came from there and all these other and Stevie Williams and who might have been the better Williams I know <laughs> won't say that around Joe and TJ but Stevie was really talented obviously that Joe and TJ were 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 studs and uh, but Tony grew up with all those guys and they. They uh, they just fed off each other. I think Tony, if I'm right, seven or eight time little kid state champ in the state of Illinois, which was unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, he was a he was a talented young man. We were just, we were going to take him and and teach him next level stuff, not not just from the wrestling perspective, but from the life standpoint, and that and that's how to take care of his family and. That's how to make a living and that's how to sustain a job and, 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 and really add to society. Right. And that, that's what we have to do as coaches prepare young men for life. And Tony really bought into that and trust us. And, and away we went. What about Tony's background? What'd you learn there? Uh, well, I grew up a farm kid in Vermilion, South Dakota, and he probably 180 from Tony Davis grew up in Cabrini green and, now, Cabrini Green doesn't even exist, but I had heard, you know, the worst ghetto in America. Um, just uh, hard to imagine, but also it just <clears throat> shows the character that he had to pull himself out of there. Um, I know I talked to his mom a couple of times and um, just, you know, she knew that I would take care of Tony, you know. I was a man of my word that I was going to take care of Tony, not only just as a wrestler, but as a person. And, and, um, and so, uh, it, it was a great journey with Tony just to know that, yeah, Bill Wick, you know, it was his coach and legendary guy, crusty old son of a gun that just, you know, <laughs> led with a steel whip. And, uh, you know, he just, he, he was, uh, straightforward and, and uh you know met met uh quentin uh tony's harvard twister coach and and just he really gave me insight on how to coach tony and how to reach him and and um tony grew up a t- you know a tough life he had a lot of instability i would say right and not a normal not a normal family dynamic and so but he loved the sport of wrestling and he was really good at it so we use that to get Tony to come to you and I that, hey, to buy in, come to our family, come to here and help do something great. What did Quint tell you about working with Tony? Quentin? Yeah. What did he say? Like when you were, when you were, he, you were trying to get to understand him. Yes, sir. would always say, just stay tough on him, coach. Just stay tough on him. He, he's a tough, hard-nosed guy and talented, but just, just stay tough on him, man. Put your arm around him when you need to, but 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 use use your foot up his rear end. <laughs> but we had a lot of a lot of great times, and one thing that's why Tony had to go to junior college because academic didn't meet the academic standards. So you know, one thing I know that Tony did 
was I told Tony, hey, you 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 have to just like wrestling. If you're the best guy, you know, you don't have to develop. And if if I'm the eighth best guy in the weight class, I have to work twice as hard to to beat you, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not a great student. So number one, go to class, right? And he did that, and he 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 did well. He never had any issues academically, and that's where a lot of people, you know, didn't take a chance on Tony because they didn't think he could succeed academically. And and uh, Tony bought in and was dumb enough to believe me. Go to class, go to class, and he used the resources around him. So he was smart, man. Yeah, he was very smart, and he had a he had a great feel for um, people. You know, and he was a he was a good relationship type of guy. So he developed relationships with his professors, and so I wouldn't say he snowed him over, but he he worked with them, and they worked with Tony. And Tony was a good communicator that way. Ghost Trainer said that he's like one Tony never missed class, but two he could sweet talk the teachers because he had that kind of personality. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and I think he used that in other areas of life too. But he definitely <laughs> <laughs> he. Uh, he, he was good. He was, you know, he, he never lied to me. You know, he's always straightforward. If he messed up, he was, he was honest with me. And that's what, that's how I even loved him more. Cause I knew he was, we had a relationship of trust. Yeah. And so once you got him on campus, what's the transition for a Juco wrestler to the D1 level, strictly wrestling wise? Well, it's, um, I would say it's just consistency over each week week in and week out, the consistency of being at, you know, at your A game or close to your A game. You know, you can't wrestle one guy, you know, um, really hard and you, you have a duel with Iowa State and you wrestle him hard and then you come back and you wrestle someone that you should beat. Well, what ha- usually happens, one, you don't work out that hard that week because you feel you have an easier match. You don't make weight that well. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a heater. And so mm-hmm. I think that's that's the uh, area where guys come in, whether from high school or junior college, and you have to make the transition is every match could be a heater. And so you have to prepare for that. It's going to be a tough match, tough bout. People are going to push you and challenge you, and you got to be ready for that week in and week out. I think just consistency of wrestling, high-level competition, where when he was at – junior college he got himself ready for you on open you know hey i'm gonna wrestle uh maybe a guy from oklahoma state or nebraska or iowa state or wherever division two national champ and i gotta be on my a game and so he was ready for that but just transitioning and being consistent each week was that UNO open a pretty big deal back in the day man it was at ever it was you know oklahoma state would come up minnesota come down iowa state I mean, Iowa would come sometimes and, you know, it was an all day thing. You know, <laughs> I remember several times semifinals starting at 1030, 11 o'clock at night. So, yeah, it was a huge tournament that Mike Denny created there at UNO. And, and it was at the beginning of the year. So it was kind of a, a great test for everyone. And obviously Iowa Central and a lot of junior college division two schools would come and they had a freshman, sophomore they developed. and. Division two, and so it was. It was an all day thing, and a day you you better bring your lunch pail. <laughs> that's uh that's where, Gil, totally off topic. Gil Sanchez beat 
John Smith at yes. Nebraska, and then two days later in the finals of that, John beat Gill, which yeah. is like crazy. Just the history of that tournament, you know? History of that tournament was fascinating. Yeah. How many really good guys and clashed and yeah. it was really it was great. It was an early season test and and uh I don't know if we really have that right now, but but that thing was a highlight, man. Coach Denny and Ronnie Higdon, those guys really put a lot into that tournament and it was it was a highlight for people and it was a it was a marker like, hey, I'm gonna test myself here. Yeah. I'm gonna have four or five tough guys and see love- where see uh see how I size up. I love the when they weave in the different levels too, because you might have a JUCO stud coming in yeah. under the radar, and he blazes through, like like what happened with Tony. I mean, I was looking at Tony's bracket, and it must have been ninety seven, ninety eight, so winter or fall of ninety seven. About now, Kale won that tournament in the open division. Tony won that tournament in the open division. Like that's you know, those are the kind of guys going there. So you see Tony there, you recruit him, bring him to you and I, and he was not easy recruitment. Tell me about that. Well, it, it was interesting. Just, you know, Nebraska was recruiting him. Iowa State was recruiting him. You know, some other people were recruiting him. It, it was a, it was not an easy get, you know. And, um, you know, it, it, we knew it was a big get for us at UNI. Um, did we know he was going to be a national champ? Not exactly, but, you know, he was a runner-up. And I remember him. After that match, he lost to TJ. How how ironic is that? He wrestled his high school teammate and and buddy that he was in Harvey Twisters with in the finals. And I remember he 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 was he was emotional and broken down after the match, and he was just wanted to be a national champ so bad. And I told him, Hey Tony, remember all the little things. We were in the back behind some bleachers, wherever arena we were in that year. And uh, I remember he broke breaking down and just, he was, uh, he was really emotional about losing. And he just said, I want it so bad. I say, Hey, Tony, remember all the little things that I told you that you need to do. Like you need to show up on time for lifting. You need to lift weights. You need to do this. You need, there's, you know, four or five things that we, we let you get by that you didn't want to do. You got to buy in. 100%. If you do that, Tony, next year at this time, you're going to be a national champ. No one will touch you, but you got to buy into it, right? And he, and he did. He said, absolutely, coach, I'll do it. And sure enough, he was dumb enough to listen to me, and, and, it, and it turned out he was, he was a superstar. And it wasn't easy for him, obviously. Never easy to be a national champion. Mm-hmm. Superstar, though, no question. I mean, especially even when he was in high school, when he was on some of those great teams, you know, TJ was kind of like the undercard and Tony was the headliner, you know, yeah. because, you know, TJ was kind of in the shadows of Joe and then, you know, TJ really had yeah. to come into his own. And then when Tony, you know, stopped going to Mount Carmel senior year, you know, TJ kind of came to his own. But, you know, even in Juco's, TJ got second, Tony won it, you know, yeah. it's crazy. And yeah. uh, so TJ goes to Iowa, Tony comes to you. Tell me about some of like the early practices you had with Tony, the first time you got to see him in the room. Yeah, you know. We, you know, we had guys like Brad Penrith and Tom, uh, Steve Hamilton, and we we um, we had a lot of guys that tried to really, you know, some of the guys couldn't couldn't uh, uh, hold up with Tony. He's just too talented. And one thing about I would say TJ and Tony, I could see that because Tony's a showman. 
he wants to put on a show and he had, you know, some awesome cradles and he had some big moves. Not that TJ didn't, I would say, but TJ was stud too. But Tony was a showman and he knew he liked to put on a show for people. You know, he was like, Hey, everyone's coming to watch me. I'm going to put on a show. That was great for us because we needed that energy. We needed that, that, that moxie, that savviness, that guy that comes in and kind of cocky, right? Mm -hmm. But could back it up. And so that was great. I'll tell you a quick story. I think I shared it. I remember we wrestled uh, Mankato State and, you know, two timeouts was with match ender back then. You couldn't take two timeouts, right? And it was our first duel or something. We went up to Mankato State and he wrestled like the Division II national champion, returning national champion. And Tony was putting on the kid, but there was like a minute and a half left in the match and he had taken a timeout, you know, and uh, really he, he, he had oxygen break, right? So uh, he took a little oxygen break and the crowd was booing him, but he was up like, I don't know, 14 to three or 15 to five or something. He didn't quite have the tech fall and he didn't know. I know what he was thinking. And I have to put in a couple more takedowns or do a big move to end this match because this kid won't stop, but I'm I'm beating him to death, right? But I really want to stop the match right now. <laughs> I want the match to be over, but it wasn't over. And he took a timeout and we went over, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the crowd was booing. And then he takes the guy down a couple more times, gets away. And there's like 30 seconds. They went out of bounds on the scramble. They thought he was going to, they were going to take him down, but. Tony had kind of a trick lag and awesome balance and crowd got all worked up and, um, and Tony's like, ah, kind of, and he, and he does, does this. I'm like, we're all no, no, no. Cause then the match would have been over and it was over by their bench and the ref was turned. He didn't see it cause he was turned the other way, heading back toward the middle. And Tony is like, ah, ah, I need a break. We're yelling at him, no, and and uh, they're all yelling, and and Jim <laughs> ran over uh, to to the ref and to the head table and tried to talk to the ref about him taking. He's like Tony's like, I wasn't doing this. I was doing. Come on, come on. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my gosh. So we were sweating bullets that the ref would would call the match. And I think Tony was up like 17 to six or something at that time. So, well, we, we, he won the match obviously, and we got him through, but one of those lessons that kind of your transition from Juco to division one, you, you're going to have some of those moments with some of those guys that just say, <laughs> this guy's one, he's not going to quit Two, You, yeah. you can't get tired. You can't, you know, body language is, is important. And, uh, just some funny moments with that. And he, he displayed that sometimes in practice, he'd get gassed, you know, and no one challenged him really, you know, he, they didn't have enough guys really to challenge him, say at Iowa central or probably mm-hmm. even at Mount Carmel a lot of times. So, you know, we really challenged him. He really just bought in the mental toughness, the how to control your mind and, and how to relax and breathe and how to, one, just get in better condition and be able to hold up. Mm-hmm. And then when you think about his style, like how would you describe it? Amazing. 
this amazing athlete. I remember uh, he he wrestled Jordan one time here at one of our camps. Jordan was a puppy, but but Jordan was younger, and they went at it. It, it just amazing hips, great feel for the sport, just an uncommon feel for the sport. He just had a unreal feel. Um, he was really good on, you know, everyone knew he was good on his feet, but he was really good on top. And uh, he, he had a splatel. He had a lot of really good cradles, you know, but everyone thinks, oh, he's just good on his feet because he was flashy. He was fast, but he was also, and he had good leg defense, but so he was hard to score on, I, I guess I would say, but he was just an all around good wrestler. And uh, when we got him in good shape and he believed that he was in good shape, you know, he, he was, he was tough, tough to beat. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of, here's a couple of adjectives people have used to describe his style. Tony Davis looked like water out there. And then <laughs> another one was electric. And then three, just a natural, Yeah, you know, just yeah. a feel for it. Yeah. He, he could snap it down, but I mean, if you shot on him, he'd, he'd run behind you in a heartbeat. And he was just, he was really quick. He had a, he, he had a great feel and you said it right. He had a great feel for the sport. And, um, he, he had a knack for hitting big moves too. He'd catch you on your back. He could, he could whip you over. You know, and, and, and cradle, yeah. you know, he said he had a good cradle, man. He had long arms and he was good on top. He yeah. was good with legs. And I know I always kid Jared Lawrence. They, they wrestled. Uh, thank goodness Tony didn't have to wrestle him as Lawrence got, got, uh, <laughs> up in age as junior and senior year, but, but they scrapped one year and, and Lawrence was coming at him like a spider monkey, man. He was coming at Tony boy really pushing his, his conditioning and probably if Tony did would have caught him the year before you would Jared would have ran him down but it just showed Tony's resilience showed that he he grew up he he took Lawrence down again and then rode him out with legs and really good with splatel and just dangerous people do discount his top wrestling I don't know why it's yeah. crazy I mean and that Lawrence match that was his senior year because his senior year he wrestles Lawrence a couple times, yep. Zadok a couple times. Um, but his junior year when he first got there, he loses to Oscar Wood in the All-Star or in like the Texas duels. You remember that uh, one? Yes, now I do. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets injured. He had a lot of injuries that first year. Yeah. What do you remember did. about that process? Uh, I just remember he, you know, he just, he he would let guys in on his legs too deep, you know, and he he, he would just get rolling around too much and, and just not some of his basic skills weren't honed to where um he just wasn't used to those type of positions all the time that that guys at the division one level is going to put you in mm-hmm. and then stay out of them for the most part he was good enough athlete good enough wrestler to stay out of those and he just he just got more solid he got more solid with his hand fighting and and that's where we really challenge him, just in his hand fight, and in his and keeping his motion going because he was so elusive and using his his uh, his his fakes and his his uh, his motion to his advantage. I love when he would fake that low single, and the guy oh. would react so hard, the guy would fall on his face, and Tony's already behind him. 
Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And you just had a feel. That's another example of a lot of guys can fake and snap, but for Tony to be all already around you as you're reacting to come up, he he was he was fast and he had you know, that's that's a talent that he developed though when he was younger and through high school and mm -hmm. you know, someone showed him that he really he really took it and took ownership of that skill. And you said early on he was a little hesitant in the weight room, didn't like the running, didn't like the lifting. He's told me that. Tell me, yeah. talk to him about some of those early, early conversations you had with him. Like when he said, Coach, I don't want to do it, or how did it go? Oh, I remember some mornings, you know, we'd have six o'clock morning workouts or 6.30 and something, and, you know, he would show up. I have to drive over there and get him. Those are the, the, those are the growing pains that it took to get, get him to buy in that you have to Every workout's important, you know. Uh, it's not about, about the running. It's about buying in to understand that, hey, today I'm going to use this workout to get better. I'm going to get 10% better today. I'm going to get 1% better today because this workout's going to put me over the top. It's going to build my mindset. And it took a while to for him to buy into that concept. And and so, um, yeah, that was, that was just some something that he really had to buy into. He just thought, well, I'll just wrestle my way into shape. Sometimes, yeah, you can do that. It's good, but I've only seen a few guys do that. Dave Schultz being one of them, but <laughs> you, you, you have to do it for a long time, but, but it's just another avenue for him to, to, to challenge himself physically and mentally. Yeah. And a lot of guys we talked to said, all the way through, even at Iowa Central, Tony was rarely pushed to his limit because he had such a high level of skill and technique over people. So that, like, once he finally did start putting in the lifting, the running, he's a dangerous wrestler. Dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about TJ Williams. Like, when you're going through the season, he's ranked number one all year. He's an hour and a half south in Iowa City. Is it coming up that this matchup could happen? Like, where are you guys at on that, that junior season? Man, I, I remember that. We knew, you know, we knew that Tony could hit TJ in the finals or if they were on the separate sides. We knew that matchup could happen. Um, and we we knew TJ, obviously, you know, was, was going to be well-trained. He was going to be well-prepared. And uh, we knew it probably was going to be a tight match just from their friendship, from that that side of things, that, that it's um, – it's going to be a scrap. It's just make make the most of your opportunities. I think for us, I I I don't remember every aspect of the match, but I just remember we need to take more chances. We need to be more aggressive, mm -hmm. and I think that's where TJ was just a little bit more aggressive and then went in. I think five to two, right? Yeah, I got it right here. I, I trimmed it down to just the highlight sections, but here's a I got this one and then the Terrapelli match as well. Uh, wow, yeah. that's pretty amazing. Wow, I didn't remember those aspects of some of that. I knew it was tight like that. Wow, they hit TJ. What'd you see, Coach? Huh? What'd you see, Coach? Because this is this is audio only, so they're not going to be able to see this. What'd you see there when you rewatched that match? That that, like I said, we needed to get push the pace, get more scoring positions. You know, TJ hit that double. We never should have had our feet square, you know, just getting him more prepared or ready for TJ because his double leg was awesome. And Tony had 
kind of an impossible leg, but we always talked about his right leg was was tough to finish on. Just keep him in that stance more. And tough yeah. match, though. Tough yeah. match. I think closer than a lot, a lot of people really remember. So, because TJ was the favorite going in? Yeah, and they, they said that uh, we would have been surprised if he wasn't came through this bracket. Well, we were thinking opposite. We thought Tony could win it, you know? Mm-hmm. And you said they both look pretty big for the weight, but TJ especially. What's the size oh. difference there? He's about? Man, TJ Williams. I know Tony was pretty good size, 149-pounder, but whew, TJ looks, you know, probably – I don't know, half an inch or so big, taller, and then it's just frames much bigger and not surprising him moving up to 157 next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. He lost to Kiesel in the semis, and then Brett Motter won that weight. Remember the guy from Boise State? Yes. TJ's only college loss. That's right. 98, like he has the highest winning percentage in Iowa history. One yeah. loss. And it's like pretty crazy. And so, and like that is a crazy match because you don't see Tony like freewheeling as much. You know, he's no. not fluid out there. No, no, just because I think he has a lot of respect for TJ and knew he was fast and quick too. But, um, you know, Tony was, you know, just, you know, that's that's how tight matches are, though. Mm-hmm. It's a one takedown match. It's just something that he need to just work a little harder for, you know, I think he really exemplified, you know, coming in third period, getting hit TJ hit for stalling, but then he got scored on right away. Yeah. Yeah. And he told me, Tony told me that that was the worst pain of his life. And it sounds like earlier he was pretty broken up. You know, what do you remember about him kind of processing that loss? He took it pretty hard. He took it really hard. And that's where I really challenged him to do all the little things right. The next year you do the details on, you know, the conditioning and the, the the weightlifting and the full Monty, right? And 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 you're going to be a champion. And he did. And he believed it because he he needed that hope um, instilled in him right then. Because he was he's a broken man. He was he really thought, hey, I I can beat TJ, you know. And so and I did too. He's someone who never let the moment get bigger than. Like, you never put the moment on a pedestal. Like, some no. guys, you know, like, I remember when I wrestled in high school, just going to state. Man, that was a big deal. Yeah. But then you got guys like Tony that aren't even thinking twice about, they're going to win the whole time in their mind. You know, yeah. and he never made it, the moment, too big. So, that, just that way he handled pressure is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the things. He he was, uh, like I said earlier, he was showman. He was like, hey, I want to be on the big stage. I want to be the best wrestler on the mat that night. You know, a dual meet. I want to be. I want to be the show. Mm-hmm. Fans are kind of coming to see me. Yeah. You know, and that's that's awesome as a coach to have because you know that guy. You know, is going to instill confidence in your team by how he performs, the energy he brings, but also the just the attitude he brings to the team, and and so you 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 can really challenge those type of guys. Yeah, because. You you got to be in great shape. You got to be ready for the ready for that challenge. But you know you got to work hard if you're going to put on a show. <laughs> and think about the guys who do everything right and still get second. You know that's a different conversation than yeah. Tony, who had done a lot right, but he had like that five percent to go where he was not perfect in every aspect. Right, he's not winning every day, like you said. So Brian still- Schneider, yeah, Brian Schneider, two times in a row. 
and I, you know, the rules were now, you know, takedowns on the edge of the mat, two feet in, you know, all that stuff back then, two knees on the mat. He, he, he has TJ beat and he has Becker beat. Uh, there's, without a doubt, go and watch the matches. Brian, Brian wins those matches, but the rules are different now. So, right, it, right. It is what it is. So, what did it do for your program to have a finalist at UNI? It was great. Just showed that we were a program on the rise. It showed that, you know, come, come to UNI and help us do something special, you know, be different. It's easier to go to Iowa State or Iowa or Minnesota, come to our place. And so we really, um, recruited hard at UNI and, and, uh, Tony was, was, uh, was that light. And then, you know, Eric Keller transferred, I said, you know, and Randy Pugh and it just, it, you know, it just got the ball rolling in the right direction for us. And we had momentum and and Tony was one of those momentum guys as far as next level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 99, you had Keller as an all American and Tony's a two, a two all Americans. Like that's big, you know? And so coming into that next year, 2000, that big recruiting class you were talking about, they're coming into the lineup a little bit. Yeah. They're kind of first starting to trickle in. And that year, you guys, is, I was telling you about it, your dual schedule, was this is you and I, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you tie Wisconsin, lose to Minnesota, go to Carver. You guys mm-hmm. were underdogs in nine or 10 weights and you only lost by seven. And and then after losing to Iowa, December 12th, you guys go nine and oh, or nine and one, all the way through February, we wrestled Oklahoma State. So like when Tony lost to Reggie Wright in Okie State. Yeah. So that dual mate you guys had there, that was your first loss since losing to Iowa. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys were freaking beating Big Ten powers. You were tying people. I mean, it yeah. was awesome year. And you guys had 10-5 and five record, first winning record in the dual meet season for you and I in probably quite some time during that 90s era. I think we beat the Huskers. Yeah, you did. Because that, that was Tony's first weekend back. Um, he, you guys went to UNO on a Friday. He didn't have a big injury, but he was like out of duel. You go to UN on Friday, he texts some guy. And then Nebraska on Saturday, you guys beat them. Yep. It's like, and you also beat Michigan that year, who was number seven. So you and I was freaking hungry that year. You yeah. had Randy Pugh, you had, I can't remember all the guys, but you know, a lot of real fun. Pugh, obviously. Yep. But before we get to that season, Tony told me that he actually quit after losing to TJ and that you had to say, Tony, give me one more practice. Do you yeah. remember that? <laughs> not, not really. Other than I know he was a broken man after that, and and uh, you know he uh, he had a, he had his ebb and flows, and I, I think that's with anyone's career. You know you you have some heartbreaks, man. You have to come back and show your show what you're made of, and that's what I really I I remember I really challenged Tony just to, hey, you're not just doing this for you yourself. You're doing it for your kids. What are you going to do with your life after this? You know, how are you going to make any money? What are you, what are you going to do? What's your character like? You know, I challenged him that way as far as like as a man, you know, and um, look at him today. He's, you know, he's, he's doing great, man. He's doing great. And um, teacher of the year. That's a teacher of the year. Thing. I yes. love that. All of North Carolina. Yeah. Like if you, if someone would have gone up to him, his senior year of high school, when he's a dropout, he found him in a, a trash can. His jaw's broken. If someone would have said that dude's gonna be teacher of the year, fifteen years later, you would have you would have been laughed at. 
Yes, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Just from the standpoint that, you know, he he really just blossomed into, you know, I think a lot of a lot of young men, they they get down on themselves that they just don't see how far they can go, and uh, I think that wrestling was was an avenue for Tony to really see how far as a person he could go. He do this next workout, right? Get through this workout. Get through this next workout. You're you're building. You're building, and and uh, and he knew. Man, I, I'm in really good shape. I love the sport. You know, it wasn't like he didn't like wrestling. Just the grind got to him, right? And uh, you know, making it, trying to make it fun for him. He's a fun loving kid. That's what that's what's great about Tony is. He's a smart young man. He knew, man, I got to grind through another practice. You know, it just, we got to make, made it fun for him. Got to make it fun. And then he's going to be at his best. What was his personality off the mat? Man, amazing. amazing. Infectious, I would say. That would be the one for one, one word. He was fun to joke around and, and uh, ball bust with. You know, he just, he'd get it right back to you. All in, all in good fun, man. He was, he was great. He was very infectious uh, personality, and just, you know, like he, like he said, he probably he chopped it up with his his professors all the time, and that's why he was around us. And and uh, he, he's fun loving guy, fun loving guy, and fun loving around his teammates, and that's he just brought light to the room, you know. Tell me about the time you sent the media guy to his brother. Yeah, you know, I re- I remember it was after his first year, I think, and and uh, we had really nice media guys. TD, I called TD. He was on the front, and uh, and um, he was a, he was the highlight of our program. And so, uh, Tony said something about his brother um, wanting some media guys. I'm like, well, Tony, tell me about. This. Your brother is he back home? He's like, well, no, he's in prison, and and we, we I remember wrapped up a bunch and sent him to prison for, for Tony's brother, and and um, it was it was it was great. We sent, I sent some home to his mom. I know she was proud of him, obviously, and um, just a just uh, a nice way to to really recognize Tony, but just give his brother. You know, hope in that tough situation. You know? And what was the situation where the teammates found out, like that he had been shot and that he had had bullet holes and that kind of thing? Yeah, one day he had a shirt off on his back, you know, a shirt off, and and on a on his one of his shoulders, left shoulder, right shoulder, he had he had this little scar. Nick, and someone said, "Hey, TD, what what happened there on your shoulder?" And and he said, "Well, I was shot." And they all laughed, you know. These, Guys are all white guys from Iowa and I probably got out of state. I say that facetiously, but, and they're like, yeah, right. And he's like, no, I was shot when I was younger. And he said he was like eight or nine years old and he was ride his bike from Harvey Twisters back home. And, um, and all these gang members would, would always recruit the young stud athletes to sell drugs for him. And, uh, they were always trying to recruit Tony. And um, Tony was riding his bike. They stopped him and he took off and 
they shot at him and then nicked him in the shoulder, the bullet. And then he had to, he said he had to run and jump in a garbage can and hid from them. And, and uh, those were probably daily or weekly things that Tony had to deal with um, growing up in Gabrini Green, which tough neighborhood, man. And so tough neighborhood. And, it, and just to think about where this young man came from to where he went at UNI and, and to be a college graduate, right? And, and be a national champion. And, and then, and how the sport allowed him to really just make his life and, 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 and make a whole nother world for himself. Right. Not only him, but then his family, his kids. And all, those, and, and all those kids at the school he teaches that he's impacting. Like, imagine having Tony Davis as your gym teacher. That'd be the best. I mean, what could be better? The best. I would love it. <laughs> you know? I'd love to go back and have Tony as a, oh, it'd be fun. He's still wonder he's a, he's teacher of the year in, in North Carolina because it's, he's got a great personality. He's great with kids. He's great with people. He, he just brings a lot of energy and brings that spirit yeah. about himself. And people feel that, and and he, he's uh, he's a sharp young man. Yeah, we got about fifteen minutes left. We got to hit on the senior campaign where Adam Terrapelli, one of my uh, one of my favorites from back in the day, he starts entering the picture. And all Tony says about him was that he was just like a built like a sh- brick shit house, just a, the arms huge. Like, tell us about Adam Terrapelli as a competitor. <sighs> Tough competitor, just. Just a guy who's solid. Yeah, I, like obviously, like what you mentioned, yes, super strong, physical guy. You know, hard wrestling, and and he was a good athlete, man. And um, Tony just hit him in a couple of positions that are. Tony's a freak, freak, freak athlete, but just a freak feel. How can you imagine putting Terrapelli in that situation where he cradles him? Got a picture right there showing yeah. it. Just uh, Tony was a good scrambler, and that's it's, it's just a tough matchup for Adam. Even though Adam was great competitor, fierce competitor, and really strong, physical, uh, and I knew he was prepared. He's gonna—he probably wasn't scared of Tony Davis. He knew he was gonna scrap with him, and you know he came through through the Big Ten. He he knew. Hey, I wrestle good guys. I'm. Who's this guy from Northern Iowa? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him out. <laughs> yeah, and there's not many times when both guys go out there and they both believe they can win. You yeah. know, like a lot of times, guys yeah. you're wrestling, they already quit in their mind. But yeah. that's a guy who you know is gonna try and kill you. Yeah, and he's happy if he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love that stuff because it doesn't happen hunt. on the hunt. It doesn't happen that often when both guys actually think they can win. Yeah, you know, it's pretty rare. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely one of them. Another guy who Tony battled that year, Reggie Wright. Tell me what you remember about that duel down in Stillwater, if anything comes to mind. Well, Reggie, Reggie's a really good wrestler. Another guy with an uh, amazing feel. I just remember, yeah, he kind of snaked one out on us. I mean, just Oklahoma State, man. They just kind of, yeah, just nickel and dimed us. And, 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 uh, and, and got Tony. Yeah, it just, I remember how upset Tony was that he didn't perform to his best. He let he let Reggie kind of dictate the pace of the match and wrestling on the edge. Oklahoma State's great at wrestling on the edge of the mat. 
I mean, they've had 50 years of wrestling on the edge of the mat to their advantage, you know? And so I remember Reggie, Reggie got Tony that way, you know, he just nickel and dimed him and Tony was really ticked off. He was reacting to him rather than making, making Reggie really respect his fakes and his shots and his offense. But that's wrestling, you know? Well, Tony's a guy who never cared about rankings or who he was wrestling ever. Like I asked him about some of his high school matchups at Illinois or legendary. He doesn't even remember him because to him, it's just another guy. But when he was wrestling someone he knew like TJ or Reggie Wright, you know, and Reggie and Tony had a history. They wrestled Tony's junior year of high school. It was actually Tony's last high school match ever. And he lost in overtime. And then in Juco, they wrestled in a dual meet. Tony bumped up to wrestle and Reggie won again. And so like he knew, you know, that's like the only one of the two guys besides TJ that he actually knew, knew. And that's always interesting to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's interesting. I knew that now that you say that, uh, I knew that he, he had lost to Reggie a couple of times. It was like in his head. I, I couldn't figure it out. I thought, you know, all respect to Reggie. I thought Tony was better. You know, I thought he was, um, he just, you know, I thought he was more of a, you know, just a tougher competitor. Now that Reggie, Reggie's amazing wrestler. and and so. I know in Tony, some way Reggie got in his mind, you know, he just had his number. And so, yeah, it was, a, it was surprising, but just how it is, you know, it just, you know, and, and it went way back with him. Yeah. Like you mentioned. Tell me about one segment we're going to do is just a, a quick update on the NCAA tournament, you know, because a lot of Illinoisans follow it, but you've been in it 20 years in the trenches. How tough is the NCAA tournament? Man, NCAA tournament is really, it's a, it's a, you know, it's like NCAA basketball tournament. You know, you have 64 teams or 68 teams and you start the tournament and how many people pick their bracket, right? Right. That's your, and so I know there's people try to pick the bracket right for wrestling. It's like, ah, you, you think the guys that's seated first is always going to win. It's not, it doesn't always happen. Right. I don't know the percentage, but. Or the number two ranked guy doesn't always come through. Mm-hmm. We let, we had that happen to us last year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so. Um, you learn and make adjustments, but I think. Like the key is that anyone can win that tournament. And so you, you have to make sure you're, you're prepared for five matches, you know, and um, that's tough to stay locked in mentally to what you do great at all the time. And so I think the, the, the biggest thing is not, not to, not to get wrapped up in well, I'm seated fourth. I'm seated fifth. I'm seated sixth. I'm number one seed number really not. Doesn't really matter. It's just, you're going to wrestle five matches. Mm -hmm. What were your expectations for Tony going into that last tournament? I just, just to win the whole thing, you know, it's a lot of pressure on people, you know. I think the pressure was on TD, you know what I mean? Because he was returning national runner-up, he was close, I knew he wanted it bad, and I think, you know, sometimes that's the sweetest time to win is when you, you, you're favored and, and, and you come through because you, you've overcome all the things in the world. You overcome the pressure. You've overcome people's expectation. 
and and uh, and that's great. And then you know, he makes it to the finals. I got the Terrapelli match. This is a crazy match. So, talk us through some of the early parts of that match when Tony's controlling the the center of the match. Did you see that there? Yeah, just man, amazing that in wrestling we just figured it out. <laughs> the edge of the mat, you know, one foot in, and just how much now that wrestling is, you know, you. You benefit by being aggressive on the edge of the mat. Where there, you edge the mat, you're out of bounds. I remember that same thing with Brian, TJ Williams, Becker. You know, edge of the mat wasn't a big deal really when you were in. Right. Now, edge of the mat's huge. Huge. Think about freestyle. You know, edge of the mat push out points. Right. You know, so I really, you know, Tony was really the aggressor in the first period, which was really great. He didn't get rewarded really for it but he was definitely the aggressor in the first period i loved it yeah what happened throughout the rest of the match that you watched there man i i know as a coach i i don't remember a lot of that match right now but But (laughs) i got a lot of matches to remember but like what'd you just watch there on the ipad uh just just tony's his poise you know he's just poised late Late in the match, um, you know, it was not nothing amazing technique other than just great feel, great, great wrestling by both guys, really. You know, it just, Tony kept his poise about him, kept his composure, and, and good things happened. For a low-scoring match, there's a lot of action. <laughs> Absolutely. They're both great athletes. Adam and, and Tony were both great athletes, obviously. And, How'd you guys, what do you remember from celebrating that night, if anything? Man, I just remember how pumped our boosters and, and the crowd were and us coaches just, uh, just to see Tony do it and uh, have that dream come, come to fruition for him. You know, we were just so excited for him, man. It was just, just great, great to see and great, great to put, you know, a smile on people's face and, and uh, great, to, great to have that fan base just really be re-energized. That's what I remember. And then, kind of the last thing I'll ask you is: you've talked about Tony in this in this context as a survivor, and a lot of people have brought that up. And it may even be the title of this documentary. Why does that word trigger for you when you think about Tony? Well, uh, I have no really idea of what Tony really grew up in. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in that. I, I've, I've seen a little bit of it, but for what Tony's experienced growing up, Tony was great. You know, I, he was, he was the only person of color on our team. I think we had 40 some guys on our team at UNI and he was, and no one talks about that. Right. Think about what Tony had to deal with, not the other, 39 white guys, but what people, you know, what Tony had to deal with. The only and one. No, he was the only person of color on our team. And, uh, you know, love the guy, man. Love all, all my heart, you know. Last question. He's told me before that you were the influence while he went into being a teacher. What, what you know, hearing that, what does that make you, make you feel based on all the time you put in? 
oh, I just, you know, I know the teachers that the reason why I'm a coach is because I had good coaches when I was in high school and, and, and growing up and, and uh, they influenced me and why I am here, why I am, why I wanted to be a coach, wanted to be an educator. And uh, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, someone helped me figure that, that out. And then, you know, for me to, to give that gift to someone else, it's just, it, it's great. Tony, it's just, he, um, he means so many, he's just like a, another son to me. And, and I, I love that. He's a, he, he always has a special place in my heart. Thanks for listening to this podcast with Mark Manning. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is presented by Spartan Combat. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. We'll see you next time.